You're listening to Racing Nation with James O'Shea. Thanks for joining us on Racing Nation. Well, what a weekend of racing it is this weekend. Manicato Cox Plate double from Mooney Valley. Two straight days of racing from the Valley. 18 races, 18 winners to be found. Let's see if we can help you find a few of those on the show this week. Joining me now from the thepuntingbaron.com.au, Shane Matthews, how are you? Very good, James. How are you, mate? It's not too bad. Well, Cox Plate, well, Manicato Cox Plate double. We're here. We're here. The big double header. Uh, super weekend. Seems very popular with the travellers. Even yourself, I hear, is uh, making the journey down. A few of the few of the boys from Coffs Harbour are also down. So it seems a very uh, popular weekend to get away. And uh, yeah, it definitely looks like a bit of a boys' weekend for everyone. So, oh, yeah, uh, well, between some of the ones I know going from Toowoomba and from what you've told me from some of the blokes at Coffs, you probably should turn your phone off at all uh, hours. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll be... Uh, a pretty big day at Geelong on Wednesday in the Cup Day there, so I won't be moving too far from the couch this weekend, I don't think. But no, great, great race. I mean, doubleheaders diluted a little bit of the quality of the day. I've often said this often, but I think from a from an event perspective and interest, I think it does the job really well in the fact that you go Friday night and back up into Saturday. There's probably a few races throughout the two days that you're like, oh, they wouldn't be out of place. At a midweek meeting or something like that, but overall, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, what is it, 18 races, and uh, hopefully uh, the track holds up. We've had magnificent weather in Melbourne all week, uh, but we've again got, which seems to be every time we race at the Valley, we've got one of these forecasts where uh, there's a wide range of six to 20 mils of rain predicted. Mm. If we only get six mils, well, that won't be an issue. If we get 20, uh, then it becomes a bit of an issue. And then there's the matter of when does it hit and where does it hit and uh, all of that. So a bit to a bit to dissect. Uh, I think probably going to end up in a so- on a soft track on Saturday, but it, uh, really Friday night at the Valley for Manicato all depends on when the rain arrives and how much of it. Uh, it's certainly going to start good. Um, it just then depends on uh, how much rain we get if it gets to the soft range. But yeah, great two days of racing. Uh, really looking forward to, it. and of course the Cox Plate, which we'll uh, get to a bit later on, is uh, you know one of the great races on the calendar. So really looking forward to it. And the Manicato is a really strong addition this year. I think uh, there was a bit of scepticism about the race last year about where it fits in the calendar, and they've stayed pretty true. They they didn't move it when there was a big call to move it, but I think they've been rewarded. It's a really strong field. I know the Everest had a fair bit of star power last week, but uh, this is a proper Group 1 sprint and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, no, very well said. Well, let's see if we can find a few winners for listeners across the two programs. We'll start on Friday. You sort of touched on the weather there, so that's a bit of a variable as we speak uh, late Thursday afternoon. But the rail position back to the true. What does what does that mean, or what do you anticipate the pattern yeah. to be? For yeah, Friday? I think we've yeah, I think we've seen with Mooney Valley in recent times that being up on speed certainly no disadvantage. You don't have to be Einstein to work that out. And I think if the track remains pretty firm and pretty dry, I think certainly early in the night there's going to be no issues being up on speed. If you if you're up in that leading pack, uh, I don't think it's going to be too too much of a disadvantage. It sometimes tends to even out a little bit as the night progresses or a few um, a few start to overdo it, which then sets the races up for horses to come off the speed. 
so the way I'm attacking it is no disadvantage to be up on speed. You probably want to be in the first half. I don't, I don't see horses getting back swooping six, seven horses wide, uh, coming down the middle of the track as being an ideal pattern. Uh, as we move into Saturday, if that rain does come, then those horses blending into the race out wider on the track, sort of getting to the those four, five, six lanes uh, are probably going to be a little bit more advantage. But for Friday night, I think definitely up on speed, no disadvantage. All right, well, let's have a look at a few races you picked out here, www.puntingbaron.com.au. You can subscribe to Shane's service. Good time to do it with the Flemington Carnival just around the corner, a heap of racing that is most certainly on our doorstep. We'll tell you all about that at the end of the segment. But let's have a look. You picked out races 1, 4 and 6, and we'll also look, of course, at the Manicato. So 1, 4, 6, 7 we're going to look at on Friday. Let's start with race 1, Chef's Hat Plate. It's over 2,040 metres. Uh, yes, yeah, small field and... Somehow I've managed to come up, well, you know what they say, small field outsiders, but I've actually managed to come up with the outsider. <laughs> I think uh, she covers most, uh, covers all bases here, Monster Missile. She's in outstanding form. She's just going really, really well. Uh, she's won two of her last three. She beat an in-form, Dixie Whistler, three starts back at Morphville. She was dominant in the Hamilton Cup. So she took over a fair way from home. Uh, and won really well, beating Prey de Trois, who we saw run really well in the first race at Geelong on Wednesday. Uh, her form's just really good. She's fit. She's in form. I think she can roll forward. It's a bit of a tricky speed map, but I wouldn't be surprised if she landed if she landed up on speed. If the rain comes, she the wet conditions are certainly no issue for her. So I think she covers all bases, really. Really keen for Dean Holland, though, to be positive from the game. But I think... From the outside barrier, if he's positive on her and he can come across and lead, uh, she's got fitness on her side. Uh, she's you know 2,200 metres, dropping back to 2,040. She'll give them something to catch her, I reckon. Around the $15 marker. thought she was a good bet in the first. I was pretty keen to be with her. Uh, the other one that I'm going to have something on is Togarangi. Now, this horse doesn't want the rain to come. So Togarangi certainly wants it to stay dry. Uh, which I think at this stage of the night, I don't think the track will be too wet by this stage. The small field certainly suits her. She uh, she just got too far back in her two runs back in the Leicester Lope and the Seymour Cup. This is a lot easier. This is a very winnable race for her. She's a pretty handy mare on her day. Third up, she looks ready to fire. She's a winner at her only run over 2,000 metres. I think if she can sort of land one out, one back, or maybe just a pair back in the small field, she won't be too far off them. Um, I think she can be pretty hard to hold out. She might be the one running them down late. So, uh, small field, but, uh, yeah, I think a couple of angles we can work with there. I'm taking on the favourite, Silent Sovereign, and uh, happy to be with Munton Missile at a price and also Tokarangi. All right, so three and six, they're in the first, and as you mentioned as we speak, the three is the rank outsider in the field at $15. So that's a good way to start Manicato Stakes Night. Let's go down to race number four on the program here, the MSC Signs Handicap. This one over the flying 1,000 metres. It's a benchmark 70. An early scratching we can report is the three Great Barrier Reef. Yeah, interesting race. It's probably one of the more interesting races of the night outside the Group 1. Uh, I think there's a couple of handy ones going around. We've seen a few horses in the likes of Charlemagne, Miss Rosiano, Bubble Palace earlier in the spring. Uh, so they're looking to keep their campaigns going. Uh, the way I'm attacking this race, I'm looking away from those horses. I'm looking for a couple of the fresh horses on the scene. And this is certainly going to be an interesting race from a pattern point of view because there's a lot of speed here. So you know, does the bravery get rewarded and whoever goes hardest for the lead 
they come out on top or are they going to overdo it and perhaps set it up for something just sitting off them? I thought from gate four after the scratching, Mark Zara probably held a few aces with Field of Flukes. Now, this horse went around well in the market in a, in a big bogus race at, on debut at Bendigo. Uh, showed good speed there, but was overrun late. It was a pretty hard day to lead that day. Then went to Warwick Nabil and was backed as if unbeatable. It was a dollar seventy into a dollar forty-five and won accordingly. Won by four and a half lengths and never really got out of second gear to my eye. Has since jumped out very sharply at Murtoa. Uh, I think he might have a bit of ability this horse. I just think from gate five, Mark, that from gate four. Sorry, after the scratching, Mark Zara can just weigh it up. He can push on and lead if they're going hard. He can probably just take the horse back a little bit and uh, sit just off the speed. I like the way he settled first up in that race at Warwick Nabeel. He, he come back underneath Lindemeets really nicely. So he looks to have improved in the break, and he might be that fresh horse on the scene. So I thought around the 4 to $5 mark, he was the one to beat Field of Flute. Interesting runner here is number six, Fission. So we've only seen this horse at the races twice. One at Bendigo on debut back in February. Uh, then was tipped out for a spell and resumed and ran quite well at Mooney Valley first up behind Alpha One and Charlemagne. And then we haven't seen, we haven't seen it since. We have seen it at the jump outs though, and a couple of those jump outs have been really sharp alongside Grand Impact, who we saw win very impressively at Caulfield last Wednesday in the Blue Sapphire, I think the race was. Uh, he's, he's, almost had that horse's measure in those two jump outs. So I think he's a pretty handy horse. Uh, his, um, gear change comes up that he's been gelded since that uh, run at Mooney Valley, so that might have been the trick. From gate two, Patrick Maloney probably lets a few of these go. He's going to be hoping that they go mad up front because he's the one that's going to be stalking. If the brakes come his way late, he should be strong at the end. Uh, I think he can run really well here, 50 on around the seven. Hey, dollar mark. Interesting race, though. Uh, I think we might see a couple of smart ones go around. Hopefully, Field of Flutes and Fission proves to be the smartest. Five and six, that is in the fourth. We can go down to race number six on the card. From Ernie Valley, we're looking at the Friday night card. First of all, it's the Sweeney Estate Agents Handicap over the mile. It's a benchmark 84. What do you make of the sixth? Yeah, I'll tell you what, we saw... I was at Geelong on Wednesday and I saw J-Mac and Chris Waller team up with Mick's moment and it looked like they just found the right race for that horse and J-Mac rode it as if he wasn't going to let it lose and got it going before the turn. He got it out in the clear air and it was strong late and won well and they team up here with a horse called Shibley who I have been waiting to back because I thought it's first up run it. Sandown was excellent behind Pasquero. I thought he was really charging through the line late. There was a bit of support for him that day. He was 71 into 41, then back out to 51. Uh, I just thought it was a really good return. I think he might have come back well. He's got an excellent second up record. Uh, he handles all conditions. If the rain comes and it gets into the soft range, that'll be no issue. He just looks to get a lovely run from gate six for J-Mac. I can see him landing one off the fence a couple of pairs back uh, in a race that looks to have good speed. There's a couple up front that should run along. Uh, he should be able to blend into the race at the right time. Uh, this uh, just looks an ideal race for him. Like I said, he handles all conditions. He matched to get the right run. Jay Mack and Waller, they're a pretty good combo. I uh, thought around the $5 mark, he was an excellent bet. I was pretty keen on Shibley. If you wanted to... If the, the track is playing very leader-ish then I think you can definitely have something on he's the real deal and territory type. They'll be the ones up on speed that can uh, that can roll along and might prove hard to run down. But 
I'd probably be waiting to see what the pattern does. If there's no issues coming from just off the speed and making ground by this stage of the night, then I think you can go chips in Shibley. Um, if you if it is playing a little bit leader, he said you might want the insurance on side of he's the real deal in Territory Titan. But uh, yeah, pretty keen on Shibley. I think he's the one to beat. Shibley, the one to beat, race six, number four. Well, let's have a look at the seventh, the Labrokes. Manicato Stakes, Wait for Rage, Group 1, over the 1,200 metres. And like you mentioned, it's uh, it certainly has held up this year and it looks a, a pretty interesting addition of the Manicato. Yeah, it certainly does. Capacity field, uh, 14 plus four emergencies. Uh, don't, don't like the chances of any of those probably getting a run. I think uh, we'll get the, full, um, the 14 that are in should get there. Uh, look, really good race. Obviously, the Moya a couple of weeks, a few weeks back, is a key form reference. One by Cool and Ghetto. We see Bella Nipatina, Pulele, and Rothfire come through that race. Uh, that does look the key form reference. Uh, that race was over. That race was over a thousand meters, and I think that's the key here. Cool and Gatter and Bella Nipatina were able to get the job done over the thousand meters. I think up to the twelve hundred. That's where you're going to see Pulele and Rothfire get their opportunity to turn the tables. Uh, gee, Pulele, that was a poor field the other week. Gee, you didn't want to be on him on the turn. I didn't think he was going well at all, but then he really picked up his charge through the gap, and gee, he was strong through the line. He just looks like he wants 1,200. He also looks to Matt to get a perfect run. In fact, I think we were speaking off air before we come on. Uh, all the favourites look like they map to get the right run. So there should be no excuses. Uh, I think if the rain comes, that certainly is going to enhance Pulele's chances. I think on a soft track, uh, he really come, it, that really promotes him even further. There's obviously no issues on a good track. But he maps to get the right run. He'll be strong at the end of the 1,200 metres. Rothfire, if it stays good, I don't have much between him and Pulele. And from that point of view, he looks a really good price around the $7, $8 mark. It just didn't, while it looked good early for him in the Moya, that move that Craig Williams made before the turn to kind of come up outside and really hurt his chance. He, was, he never really got the chance to build full momentum as he did the start before. Uh, so I think Damian Lane will be wary of that here. He'll want to make sure that he gets rolling uh, and builds the revs a bit with Rothfire. But he looks to have come back really well. Uh, providing the track doesn't get too wet, I think he's an outstanding chance. So I think they're... They're the two to beat. Uh, clearly, if you're looking for something a little bit wider, because, you know, we don't like siding with the favourites too much here. Um, I think September run, again, up to the 1,200, I think she'll improve sharply. She's had a jump out between runs. She got through the line okay in the Moyer over the 1,000 metres, uh, but up to the 1,200 metres, she can improve sharply. The other one that brings a bit of the different form into the race is Rockin' Horse. Uh, you know, I ran second to Private Eye last start down the straight at Flemington. Private Eye, you know, was winning the Everest with about 75 mm. metres to go last Saturday. So she just brings a different form into the race. I guess the question mark with her is she just a superior straight tracker. Her best runs certainly have been down the straight, but her first up run where she clearly wasn't wound up, she wasn't too far off Bella Nipotina here at the Valley, and she might be the one that's forgotten in the market a little around the $25 to $30 mark, uh, but she's going to need some luck from the wide draw all the same. However, I just respect that different form line through Private Eye, who's clearly airborne at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I thought Pulele and Rothfire were clearly the two to beat. Uh, had them on top, and particularly Rothfire, if it stays dry, looks a really good bet around the $7 to $8 mark. And if you wanted to have some roughies for multiples, I thought September run and Rock and Horse were probably the best of those.
All right, that's your look at Friday night. What's the best bet Friday night? Uh, like Shibley, uh, was really taken with that run first up. Thought he got through the line really well. Second up, J-Mac on board. Maps nicely uh, around the $5 mark. He looks a good bet. We'll make it the best. Race six, number four, Shibley. Race six, number four, Shibley, the best bet on Friday night. So that's our wrap-up of racing Friday night, which is the Manicato Stakes. You are listening to Racing Nation, Cox Plate Day on Saturday. Let's preview the race in depth, see if we can sort it out for you. Shane Matthews from the Punting Baron is going to do that for us. First question, Shane, I suppose we will have had eight races Friday night. We know there's a bit of who knows what's happening weather-wise and stuff, but without looking so too deeply into your crystal ball, what's, what's your gut feel or anticipation of how this track's going to race Come Cox Plate time, which is what's that going to be race 17 of 18 over 24 hours? Yeah, that, and that is the $64 million question. Uh, look, I think here's the forecast for a fair bit of rain. I think by this stage Saturday, we're going to have enough rain, so rain that we will probably get into the soft range. It just depends how deep into the soft range we get. Even so, with 17 races, I would imagine that by this stage they're starting, that inside part of the track would have copped a fair bit of traffic and heat. So you're probably going to see them start to get off the fence a little bit as the day progresses and kind of get out into those sort of wider lanes. And it's probably going to be more forgiving than Friday night for horses coming from off the speed, blending into the race, say, you know, two or three horses off the fence, three wide with cover. Uh, So that's how I'm looking at it. Uh, But... Yeah, it really all depends on how much rain we come. And as we speak, Thursday afternoon, that is, uh, yeah, as I said, that's a $64 million question. And probably the other question that remains up in the air for those tuning in Saturday morning as well is, as we speak, there's that question mark over alligator blood going around. Now, that is significant in terms of if alligator blood's there, many anticipating, of course, it's going to be the leader slash the one that's going to be outside the lead in the race with Zaki. If it's not there, it changes it a bit as well. So, yeah, what's your what's your take on that scenario? There's, there's a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> yeah, so effectively we're trying to gamble on the winner of the race, gamble on the weather and gamble on the vets. <laughs> they haven't made it easy for us, have they? Uh, yeah, look, he's a key runner in terms of the speed map because... From gate 12 to Tim Clark, he's probably got no option, no other option than to roll forward and obviously look to sit outside Zaki. You wouldn't think Jamie Carr's going to have too much interest in handing up uh, the lead from gate one on Zaki and risk getting into a pocket. The other thing that that does with Alligator Blood is that actually a couple of the horses drawn inside of him actually probably beneficially if Alligator Blood runs because I could see Mr. Brightside, I could definitely see Craig Williams using Alligator Blood uh, as a bit of a shield to come across and then letting him come across and probably land one out, one back on Mr. Brightside and potentially on Thunderstruck doing something similar. So if Alligator Blood comes out, uh, it makes it a little bit more interesting for Mr. Brightside. Where do they go? I can't not see Craig Williams being positive. I just don't think he's going to go back and be able to circle the field and beat horses like Animo and Zaki. His chance is to get up on speed. And I'm Thunderstruck. He's the real conundrum because his racing pattern typically is to sit back off the speed up until last start there was a bit of a query on him running a strong 2000 metres but he certainly seemed to put those fears to bed in the Caulfield mm. stakes he got through the line quite well so what Mark Zara does on him is a, you know, is a, 
it's a is a big question mark. I guess the one certainty out of all of that is Zaki from gate one probably leads and J Mac from gate four and Animo probably lobs in a pretty good spot just behind. So uh things really do look like they might work out for the two favourites. And I I don't think Bud being in the race is necessarily a negative for Zaki either way. I actually him out might lull Jamie Carr into a bit of a false sense of security on Zaki, and they might, might she might end up going a bit too slow on him. Um, I think with Alligator Blood there, he's going to come over, sit outside of her, and keep the pressure up. And I think that's probably Zaki's best chance is to get a few of them off the bit and chase him. All right. Well, that's uh, that's our crystal balling of what exactly is going to happen or how it's going to happen, and trying to uh, read into that. But yeah, as I said, that's a key bit of information is is around alligator blood, particularly from uh, from a map point of view. But anyway, let's play the hand that we have. What's your take of the Cox Plate for 2022? I think there's a big question mark over just how good the locals are, and for that reason. I'm naturally drawn to the very different form that is the international Al, Al Bodegon. Uh, from all reports, he settled in really well here. Uh, just going back and having a look at some of his replays in um, in Europe, his form around the likes of Modern Games, Secret State, Doville Legend, all read pretty well for a race of this nature. I think the key with him is his best runs have all been on soft ground. So he wants the rain to come. So if we get into a soft six, soft seven range come this stage of the day, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gives you a, he gives you a great sight. So, uh, yeah, there's, I guess there's a, the temptation to say that are uh, we overlooking the obvious with Animo and you know, he's just going to sit, sit in the perfect spot from gate four for J-Mac and is he just going to, you know, get the right run and win? But you're being asked to take a pretty skinny... Price to find out. He's two forty, two fifty in a Cox Plate. I'm not sure I could tumble in at that price. Zaki, I'm just. Everyone seems to think that he's going to explode here on Cox Plate Day. It's all going to work out for him. I'm just not a hundred percent convinced he's going at a level that level that we've seen him in previous campaigns where he's dominated races. So he's also for mine a little bit of a risk at the four dollar mark. And, that just naturally led for me to look outside and around. I think if you're going to get around eight to nine dollars El Bodegon and the track comes up in that soft six to seven range, then I could have something on him. Uh, the other horse that I can have something on, and we've already spoken about him, is Mr. Brightside. I, there was something about his run in the Caulfield Stakes. I thought he was going through the line probably almost better than any other runner. Uh, and he was written pretty quietly in that race. I'd just love to see Craig Williams take the chance on him here roll forward, particularly if Alligator Blood's in the race. I think he can really use Alligator Blood to land one out and one back. And from that position, uh, he can certainly put himself into the finish. And you're getting around 15 to $20 about him. The other horse that has confused me but has sparked my interest this week, and it's purely just the different race that he comes to, is Gold Trip. Uh he was enormous last week in the Caulfield Cup. And then when you think about it, the run before in the Turnbull was pretty enormous as well because he sat wide and probably wasn't in the right spot that day. So he's clearly going very well. He gets the blinkers on, on the backup, maps to get a pretty good run midfield from the middle gate. He's around the, the 15 to, he's around the $15 mark. Look, it's a great race. It's the Cox Plate. Personally, I don't find it to be a great betting race this year. I find it, I found it really tough because I'm not overly keen on the two favourites, but I'm 
also not really overly keen on finding much that beats them. But mm. uh, given that it is the Cox Plate, I can, I can definitely have something on El Bodegon purely through the different form reference. Uh, and around the 15 to $20 mark, I can have something on Gold Strip and Mr. Brightside to, to cause a little bit of a boil mm. over. But uh, certainly wouldn't be surprised if either of the favourites won, obviously. Yeah, it's an interesting race, isn't it? When you look at I'm just thinking about it when you go through that, and all three of those horses you've mentioned, you can add further weight to their claims, I suppose, because they're following in footsteps of what other horses have done. So El Bodigan brings that almost Sir Dragon A and what was the horse last night? That just that different form references you said that they come from overseas. State of rest, yeah. State of rest, that's that one of the course last year. El Bodigan, El Bodigan fits that sort of profile. Mr. Brightside perfectly suits your traditional Cox Plate preparation and Gold Trip's trying to do something that very few have done. Northerly did it, of course, winning, but it won a Caulfield Cup, came back to win a Cox Plate, but you're talking about a fair animal in Northerly. So then you add in all the, all the rest of it, as you said, it, it's probably why it makes it a very, very tough race. And while you'll probably find multiple opinions on who, how, and why a, uh, a horse can win the race. Yeah, and I think the, I think the Caulfield Stakes as well shed much light on anything. They all went over the line they all went over mm. the line in a big bug. So Adamo knuckled down and got the job done, but he wobbled around the turn as he did in the Cox Plate last year. Um and then yeah, he hit the line and won well, but he won narrowly and I'm Thunderstruck who everyone was querying at two thousand was went very close to knocking him off. Mr. Brightside, you know, pretty much running up their backside in the final hundred meters, but so too were Benno and non conformist who did nothing in the Caulfield Cup last week. So it's real <laughs> Really interesting. And then that's probably where you get the gold strip angle because he flogged those horses last week. And, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise for me to see him measure up. And I guess you can probably tell him my voice. The more I talk about gold strip, the more I'm kind of talking talking myself into I think he's a real winning chance. And you're getting $15. So I'd rather have something on him than, you know, be throwing the kitchen sink at Animo at 240. Oh, there you go. So maybe, maybe gold trip's the one. Yeah, I'm warming to it. I'm talking myself into it. <laughs> they add the blinkers. They add the blinkers this week as well. Stable, stable, stable tends to get it right too in these races as well. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they did it with what, Sir Dragon, eh, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and any and again, any rain about no disadvantage for him either. So, uh, yeah, I can see him. I can see him running really well. I think. I think if there's any chinks in the armors of Animo and uh, Zaki, they can certainly be exposed by a couple of other runners. Definitely. Mm, well, you've just probably made it even more. Probably haven't anyone difficult. there. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they're, well, they're, they're the outside of the favourites, as you said. Like not as such, you're not potting the favourites, but you've, you've, you don't really want to be with them. So the, the value to bet around might be with El Bodding and Mr. Brightside and Gold Trip. That's a pretty good summation. I think you've done it better than me. <laughs> right, we'll go. Right, we'll we'll run with that. That's our Cox Plate preview. Now, uh, as I mentioned, puntingbaron.com.au. So, a good time for people to jump on board and subscribe. There's plenty happening at the moment. We had Geelong midweek bookended the program there, so started and finished strong with the first winner at a good price, and then uh, Quinella in the lucky. Well, actually, Quinella the first. And sorry, the second last it was, wasn't it? So yeah, Quinella yeah. on Geelong, but um, but anyway, and a, and a good day again there last week. So now's a pretty good time if people are thinking about it, considering it, to, to jump on board, subscribe to the Punting Baron, and you'll be there, and you'll get all of the all of the previews, all of the selections for uh, for not only the Cox Plate Carnival, which is right on our doorstep, but the uh, the Melbourne Cup Carnival, which is equally just on our doorstep. Yeah, exactly right. So plenty happening, in pretty good form as well. I think you 
thousand guineas uh, Caulfield Cup day, and then good day at Horsham. Uh, was it Horsham? Yeah, very good day at Horsham on uh, Sunday, and then uh, yeah, pretty yeah, pretty good day yesterday. So in a bit of form, uh, plenty happening. Uh, we've obviously got Friday night at Mooney Valley. Uh, we've got Saturday uh, Cox Plate day. Spring Champion Day up in Sydney, and there's a couple of other good races for the invitation there, and a few more pop-up races that Sydney loves to do, so we've got a few of those to sink our teeth into, and as always, we've got this plethora of country cups in Victoria, so it's the Narnard Cup on Saturday, and speaking to my good mate Darren Galley yesterday at, uh, from Country Racing Victoria, he seemed pretty confident that that would go ahead, uh, providing that uh, they don't get too much rain, so that's always a big day. Sale Cup on Sunday, always a very good meeting, but watching the skies there, apparently there's a, a pretty risky forecast. And then that leads into Bendigo Cup next Wednesday. And then, of course, we've got the, the Magical Week, Cup Week, uh, which kicks off with Derby Day next Saturday. So as you said, a fantastic time to jump on board. Subscriptions start from just $6 a week, or you can uh, sign up for the whole year for just $159.95, which works out to be... Only three dollars a week, and as we said, last week less than fifty cents a day. So great time to jump on board. Go to punningbarons.com.au and check it all out. Yep, that is the website. Jump on board, become a baron today. Well, Shane, a great weekend of racing again is before us. Most importantly, let's hope we've helped the punters find a few winners. As always, thanks for joining us, and have a great weekend. No worries, and you too, mate. Good luck in Melbourne. Hope it all goes well, and you have yeah, a great hope, weekend. Yeah, hopefully we're back to speak to you next week. That's questionable. <laughs> hopefully you make it back. Good luck, mate. Cheers. Racing Nation with James O'Shea.